And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. He was a king and a god in the world he knew. But now he comes to civilization, merely a captive, a show to gratify your curiosity. Ladies and gentlemen, look at Khan, the eighth wonder of the world. You know, maybe my luck has changed. Listen, there is a girl out there who might be running for her life from some gigantic turned-on ape. Are you goddamn chauvinist pig ape? Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. My name is Scott Gardner and I'm joined as always by my best pal in the entire goddamn universe, Chris Honeywell. <laughs> and he has de-evolved for this episode. It wasn't a far stretch to begin with, to be honest, you know. But let's face it. Welcome to, uh, what are we calling this, episode two or week two of King Kong Month. And uh, we got kind of a kind of a strange and unusual episode for you this time around because... Uh, Strange and unusual. We are uh, we are actually going to cover a comic for this uh, for this episode, and this is kind of a strange and unusual comic. It's kind of an enigma. Enigma. Yes. Enigma. Because as far as we can determine, wrapped in a gorilla suit, wrapped in bacon. Um. As far as we can determine, what we're looking at here is a reprint, but it's tough to determine that exactly. Um, let me see if I can give a little history on this. I've had this book, the the one that I'm actually using for our coverage tonight, I've had this longer than I can remember. I actually don't know where and how I got it. I always assumed that I got this around the time that the 1976 King Kong movie came out, that this was some sort of tie-in with that. And, and See, that's when I think I got mine, too. Yeah. Well, you know, you and I were talking just before we got started, and I'm going to see if I can... Uh, uh, I think I caught that in the, in the recording as we were setting up. If I did catch it, I'll try to throw it in somewhere, you know, in the course of the show, or maybe at the end of the show, you know, just our speculation about this. But, uh... I think you're right. I think you hit on something that Whitman might have printed up a ton of these back in 68 and then just whatever they had laying around they they put out or maybe they just reprinted it without bothering to ever change copyright dates on the actual material when the 76 movie came out. But the copy I have I just, you know, 
for one thing, you and I were also released in 1968. I have a lot of comics from around, you know, around 68 and thereabouts. They're just not in good shape. I mean, they don't hold up very well. I just have a lot of trouble as, as, you know, not granted, I take really good care of my comics. You know, I pride myself on that. But as good a care as I take of my comics, you know, I have a lot of treasury-sized books in my collection, you know, like limited collector's edition and Marvel treasury and stuff like that, that are much more recent than this book. That are fangled. Yeah, they're, they're in fine art, too. And the, and the paper quality hasn't hold, held up and all that. This book, everywhere on it, you know, the cover on the indicia, everywhere says 1968, 1968. I can't find any other copyright dates more recent than 68. Now, the, the actual King Kong copyright goes back to 1932, but I can't find any more recent um, copyrights. So according to everything on this, it's 1968. I just, I don't quite believe it. I think this is a reprint from much closer to the 76 movie, and they just never changed the date. But again, that's just a theory. Um, what we're actually looking at, and it depends on what database you use to look this up. Now, I am old school, so of course I go by the official Overstreet comic book price guide. According to that, it's called Movie Comics. It's not numbered, and it's just called King Kong. And it actually had several different printings. There was a gold key printing that Chris and I believe were was done in the standard comic book size and format. And that one was uh, was a quarter back in 68. What we're going with, what we're looking at, is the uh, the one that's dubbed. It's, it's actually a Whitman print on this one. It's exact same cover and everything, except it's in the treasury edition format and this is called giant classic king kong it's printed by whitman um one dollar was the price now if this really was a dollar in 1968 that's pretty scandalous man because what what were comics in 68 they were i think they were still 12 or 15 cents weren't they something like that that's like almost 10 times the amount of like your regular standard comic at the time which is that's pretty outrageous and I, we love the cover on this. It's a beautiful painted Ugh. cover by um, George Wilson is the artist's name, and it shows Kong. It's a very, very ape-like Kong, um, you know, much more gorilla-esque Kong than uh, I, I think than any of the the movie versions up until the most recent one. You know, the um, Jackson. I think this actually resembles the Jackson Kong more than it resembles the thirty-three or seventy-six. Don't you? Oh, yeah. It, it looks more modeled after a gorilla than the actual King Kong model. Right, right, exactly, yeah. And he's uh, he's holding... Um, <laughs> I completely blanked on what the hell is her name? Duan? No, it's not Duan. It's... Um, <laughs> well, guess what? It's in the... Ca- Anne. Anne, that's right. Anne, that was it. Anne. He's holding Anne in one hand, raised high above his head, kind of like Statue of Liberty type. He's standing on top of the uh, observation deck of the Empire State Building, and all these biplanes are zipping around. And he's actually crushing a biplane in his other hand as the pilot of it uh, falls to his death. It's a great cover. It says, the original version of the greatest adventure story of all time. Authorized edition created by Marion C. Cooper. It's, it's a really, really awesome cover. And, uh, and 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 you can flip it over and just have the unadulterated painting on the back. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, 
really, I'd love to have the comic-sized version of this, but I'd rather have it... It's like the Destroy comic. You want it King Kong size. Yes, yes, very much so. Now, if I can fit this on my scanner, I'm not sure I, I can, actually, but I, if I can get this scanned or find a really good scan of this, you know, as you say, naked back cover, you know, meaning it's just the painting without all the cover copy and everything, this would be perfect for the logo for this episode, you know, the picture for this episode. Yes. That would be great. Um, now, you had an origin story on this as well, you know, as far as, uh, you know, you, you had this when you were a kid, right? Yes, I did. I remember reading it in elementary school in a black and white, small-sized reprint. And, but I did have a copy of this as a kid up until an adult. I, I remember having it through, like, when I was in college. I can't for the life of me. I have no idea what happened to it, where it went. Uh, when when we were getting when we decided we were going to have King Kong Month, which was a couple months ago, a few months ago, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I have, I'll go dig it out because I assumed I still had it. So I went through my treasury editions and I'm like, son of a bitch, I don't. I guess I don't have it. <laughs> so I, I had to go and uh, and uh, hit up the old eBay. And at first it was really daunting because there were copies of the. Uh, an earlier printing of the treasury and the comic size ones, and they were pretty pricey. But this one, I managed to get this one for like three fifty or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's there's a bit of of wear on the cover, and it's that kind of wear that looks like a lot of it really came from the printing press. You know those like horizontal right, and vertical yeah. lines on it, yeah. Rather than like somebody abusing it or you know, or I mean. I think it's made of a thicker cardboard than most treasury editions because it's it, it it just it's stiffer. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's I, it was beautiful. It was great to see this come in the mail. <laughs> I love big big red comic books anyway, and this is a big red orange comic book with a screaming ape on the cover. You know, it's pushes every button of happiness for me. I love love treasury sized comics. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of them, and uh, and really, I want to really start covering more of them on uh, on you know on our shows. I know that uh, Paul Sometimes, and Mike and I have been talking about doing more of them on Back to the Bins and stuff. But I I love these things. Sometimes things it dep- You know, they have to pick the right things to put into a treasury. But if you pick the right art that stands up to being that much bigger, which I mean, it's more like the size of the original art, anyway. Mm-hmm. So and uh, and so so nice detailed art or stylistic art always just and yeah, and it's easier to read. It's it's just it's awesome. It's 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 just bigger and better. You know, it's uh, absolutely. It's almost more artistic. You know, it's it, it, you're more aware of the layout and yeah, and when you're a kid. With one of these, you know, these comics almost dwarf you. You know, they're monstrous. Right. It's you it's know. almost like watching a, a a movie on on IMAX. That's really the closest exactly. compare, comparison I can I can pull. Is it's like, you know, these the day- IMAX of the those days are yeah. yeah, very much so, very much so. Well, again, in the nature of you know what we were saying about this being a very unusual comic, probably the most unusual feature about it is that. 
very little is known about it in the, in the way of who worked on this book because the actual credits in in the issue itself and the inside front cover, which by the way, sports a uh, it's about a it's a little more than half of the page in a vertical stripe. You've got a uh, black and white Kong painting of him just roaring and baring his fangs. Oh, it's a great great picture. That's I believe the, it's 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 just cut from the cover and made black and white. Oh, it's is it? Same. Oh, yeah, yeah you're you know what? Yeah, I think you're right. He's, I didn't even notice. It's just a they tipped him in a little different angle, so he doesn't look quite the same. You know, yeah. his face looks thinner because they cut off the back of his head. You're right. But it's just it's just a black and white reproduction of it. But it looks gorgeous. It is. It's great, and it's with the gray tones and everything. It's yeah, really really nice. It reminds me of when um, Gene Colan was doing vampire yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it gives the title and it gives the table of contents. The story's broken down into uh, seven chapters. The only credits in the actual issue itself is, it says, artist Alberto Giolotti and cover artist George Wilson. That's it. Everything, the only other thing I managed to find is if you go into uh, the comic book database, which is at comicbookdb.com, they don't know the writer either. It just says unknown creator for writer. But they list the penciler as Giovanni Ticci. I have no idea where they're pulling that information from. I question whether it's really accurate or not. Right. It could definitely be from their butts. Right. They do list the inker as Alberto uh, Giolotti, who is the one that's credited in the book as purely just artist. So. You know, there may be an untold story there. I don't know. But uh, I would love to know who actually wrote this as far as doing the adaptation. Because it is adapted from the original novel. But, you know, somebody would have had to do the uh, the comic book adaptation of it. But, but no no credits at all. So it's kind of weird. I wish I had time because I d- dug out my copy of the original novel. It was a reprint from 76. And... I- uh, it's actually it's like 200 pages of big type and like I probably could have read it really fast but I haven't had any time because it would have been nice to see how closely that follows this, you know. I suspect very closely because there's a point in this book that I'll point out when we get to it that uh there was a bit of dialogue that didn't make any sense to me. So I looked it up to try to find out well, what what's the story with this? And the story that I found out basically ties back to the original novel. So when we get to that point, I'll uh, I'll point that out. So what we had decided to do was, um, you know, kind of give the, give the breakdown of the issue. We're going to trade off chapters and just go back and forth and just kind of cover the the broad strokes of the story, really concentrating on where this diverges from the you know the original thirty three movie, because all my life really up until getting prepped to do this show, I'd always pretty much remembered this as being a straight-up adaptation of the movie. And you know what? It's really not. It's very much its own entity. And uh, the closest comparison that, that I can pull is that this reminds me a hell of a lot of the Al Williamson adaptation of The Empire Strikes Back. Where yes. There's definitely moments in that adaptation where you can look at it and go, okay, that's a still from the movie. But then there's a, enough of it that is divergent because they didn't know exactly what the effects are going to look like and how the movie was going to flow. There's enough of it that it's its own entity and doesn't just you know totally just adapt the movie. It, it 
it, it exists as its own different form of the movie. That's very much what this is, and I, I really enjoyed the differences. As a matter of fact, I actually like this a whole hell of a lot more than the original movie because of you know certain things that they could get away with that they you know they were limited by the effects of the day. With oh yeah, but the, this doesn't have the violence of the movie. It also it seems like they might not have had the character um, copyrights or whatever. So they so all the characters are sort of like. They're they're all very different looking than they oh, are yeah. in yeah. the movie. They're not they're not based on the actors and actresses who played them in the movie. They're they're very just true. sort of they're sort of they're kind of standard comic book character look. You know, um, Driscoll is you know uh, uh, just kind of a lean. He looks more tough, you know, and less leading man. He looks he's a redhead, you know, more chisely. And and like de- denim is more is you know is is everybody's you know he's more skinny he's he's more of a like kind of ladies man guy that what well, then um, he looks more like a playboy he's also like red brown hair maybe that ink was really cheap <laughs> and uh, you know with a mustache and stuff rather than sort of like the pasty adventurer that he is in the movie right. And, um, you know who he kind of strangely, you know who he reminds me of? He kind of remi- reminds me of the funky Flash Man, if you remember him from... Uh... <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> That's who he kind of reminds me of. And Darrow has long blonde hair. She looks like Gwen Stacy. Yes, yes. Yes, she does. And she doesn't wear as revealing outfits. And I can't <laughs> tell if she's wearing underwear in the comic <laughs> as much as on the Blu-ray of the movie. But I'm willing to bet in this comic she is. Well, do we want to kind of just go uh, through the issue here? Sure. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take the first chapter. We've got a. Uh, they they actually have names for the chapters and the table of contents. But when you actually start into the book, I don't think the the individual it's chapters. Just, yeah, chapter yeah, one, just chapter, chapter one, two. chapter two. But this is chapter one. And it starts off where uh, Mr. Weston, the uh, Broadway agent, is coming to the boat, and he's looking for denim. And this, right off the bat, diverges from the movie because uh, the movie starts with denim. Or, or no, actually, it starts with a couple of deckhands or something, doesn't it? For, uh, something like that. But I know it doesn't start with Jack. Right. Whereas in this, Jack is the first character you see, uh, Jack Driscoll, the first mate of the ship. And, you know, we get the scene very much like in the movie where the agents, you know, talking to uh, to Denim and saying, you know, this is a risky proposition. You know, if you're going to get underway, you better get going. You got live explosives on board, all that sort of thing. You're crazy, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the clipped diet, you know, the way they talk in the in the original movie, that that clip like, yeah, yeah, you know, uh Everybody's like that. Even even in this, you know, like when you see the paper boy who's hawking papers, he looks like a little like just a shrunk down little man who's going papers. Hey, say, sir. Looks like Billy. Say, Batson mister. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like fifty-year-old Billy Batson dwarf. <laughs> so you know, Denim, just like in the movie, he goes you know into the streets of New York looking for uh, for you know a, a girl that he can use for his movie and everything. Finds Anne stealing apples and, uh, you know, recruits her, takes her on board the ship. And she and uh, Jack, they instantly hit it off and start their little uh, shipboard romance. It's a much more, much, much more believable in this, the, the way they kind of sort of come together. Whereas in the movie, well, I, I just... think it's actually, I think there's actually like uh, basically uh, 
a bubble that says, meanwhile, in the intervening time, they fall in love. <laughs> right, <laughs> and, yeah. that's, and that's how it, and that's <laughs> just all we need. Now, I know it's probably... Yes, during the trip, Driscoll falls in love with Anne. <laughs> well, I know Done it's it. probably the hairband, but she really does. In, in these panels where she has the black hairband, she really looks like somebody was just going for Gwen Stacy, basically. But uh, chapter one ends with them you know, getting to the mystery spot on, uh, on Denim's map. And uh, and find, but not getting to Anne's mystery spot. <laughs> and they uh, they spot. They call it here the Isle of Kong, and that's uh, that's where Chapter One ends. I always call it Kong Island. I'm 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 in the process now of just finishing up editing our our show about the original Kong, and I notice that I keep calling it Kong Island instead of Skull Island, and like I keep correcting myself, and then after a while, I think I sort of gave up and was just like Kong Island. <laughs> and by the end of the month, I'll just be saying Monkey Island. Monkey Island. Mm-hmm. Kong Island, Monkey Island, what's the difference? Skull Island. All right, so remember. so this is leading us to Chapter 2, which is titled, A Royal Welcome in the Jungle. A Royal Rumble in the Jungle. <laughs> and so, of course, they're, they're, uh, they're going on shore, onto shore, and uh, you know they hear the native drums, the ominous native drums. And, um, you know, um, the captain's just basically saying those, you know, those aren't, uh, those aren't just some, you know, the, the day to day ceremony, some, or, uh, you know, or just them talking to each other. This is some sort of ceremony. This is some sort of special thing. And, uh, you know, so that, you know, of course, Denim's setting up his cameras and, uh, and, uh, displaying and bragging about his gas bombs. I'm sure, and it's funny because all this dialogue in here, it, it, it it's it, it's written like um, regular comic dialogue, but you can do it all in in 30s style, right? Yeah, these gas bombs are my own improvement upon the standard model. See, you just have to throw a C <laughs> as well. Powerful yeah. enough to knock down a row of elephants for a loop. So, um, wise guy. <laughs> of course, a um. <laughs> They make their way through the jungle and they find the the abandoned uh, native village. But uh, you know the captain, the captain's sort of like Donald Pleasance in Halloween with all the cryptic, you know, statements because he's the only one who knows what's going on. He's like, ah, it's not an abandoned town. There's people watching us. They know what's going on. So of course, they um, end up. And here's another difference from the they end up at a much less racist ceremony for uh, <laughs> the sacrifice to Kong. And a much less attended ceremony. Yes. Which is hilarious because in a comic book, it's much cheaper <laughs> to draw a whole, you know, um, shitload of natives than to cast a whole shitload of extras. But, eh, you know, and they, and they, and they tone down the Afro wigs too, for sure. Yeah, which these natives, t- they're, they, they're a little Native American. Yeah, they've, got was, a little, yeah. they've got a little, um, like Mayan actually. Mayan, yes. It's exactly. There. What, yeah, that you read my mind. That is exactly what I was going to say. Is they look much more uh, Central American Mayan type of thing than they do. Well, they have uh, gold. They have golden skin. They're not right. You know, I mean, the, these guys. You know, in the original King Kong, it was like all like white eyes and booga booga, and, and right. these guys are more like a little bit. They're more American Indian color, or I guess Mayans would be about the same same color. They're, they're just like very tan white people, basically. Right. 
except for the ones that are dressed up in you know and of course you see a bunch of them dressed up in in their native their their native monkey suits and of course just like in the movie we have a little stunted and and I'll do the uh I'll do the uh, white extra which it would be white extras for this movie or they maybe hire if they've made an adaptation of the comic adaptation of the movie you would have like hispanic and white extras with spray tans on saying abado bado dama Padi Vigo. De Wanawanga. <laughs> Ricky, Tasco, Tasco. Which, Tasco, Tasco is very eerily similar to Costco, which they say in the movie. <laughs> He's saying, Welcome to Kong Island. I love you. And this, yeah, and this is pretty much, it doesn't look like it does in the movie, but it plays out just like the, the, the movie. You know, the captain's like, you know, don't back down. We've got to put up a bold front. And they're just like, Hey, give us the blonde, and uh, you know there's uh, just <laughs> give us the blonde, and nobody gets hurt. And it's actually it's got one of the few like like lines right from the movie where I can't say I blame him. Blondes are scarce here, which is like one of the few lines that isn't just a paraphrase or 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 something like that. So of course you know they tell the natives that um you know there's it's there's no deal. And uh, the natives are not happy. They're so unhappy that they actually say Watu Tambisa Parakong Pakakan, which is not good. <laughs> not good at all. So, of course, they, they decide that's a good chance to boogie out of here. As a matter of fact, once they get pretty much to the edge of the village, the captain's like, all right, guys, now's the time to run. And they <laughs> run onto the boat and they go back. Which is, in movie logic, very good thinking. And then the captain goes, now they're not doing a ceremony, now they're sending a message. Which is, of course, bad news. So, um, you know, um, back on the ship, they're having, an, you know, the whole argument about, you know, whether they should go look for Kong, whether Kong exists, and uh, what Kong even is, and, uh, you know... They definitely are like, well, we don't want to bring Anne because that would be very dangerous. And, of course, it's a moot point because as soon as she walks out the door, there's a whole band of spray tan natives to <laughs> carry her off to to Monkey Island. Carry me off to Monkey Island. And in another um, nice, nice um, excising of inherent racism well for for one thing they've taken the whole character of cookie out so. yes and yeah, now it's lumpy which is funny <laughs> he doesn't look a thing like his dad chewbacca but yeah so i mean before i for the people who maybe just be are haven't read the comic and haven't seen the movie shame on you um in the original kong there was a an um I guess he was supposed to be Chinese or Asian. So in those days, there were a lot of Chinese in him. So he was supposed to be Chinese. He was, what, the cook? Since yeah. He was cookie. But he was, you know, hello. Well. Yeah, it comic, was. Yeah. It was really racist. It was. It, well, you know, it seemed incredibly obvious to me. He was Asian. He was not happy perfect, about it. Yeah. He spoke yeah. perfect English because he reminded me of Jay Silverheels. Because Jay Silverheels, if you ever heard him actually speak – when he wasn't, you know, in, you know, playing Tonto in the Lone Ranger, he actually just spoke like a regular guy. He was, you know, he's an intelligent guy, but then when he was Tonto, he talked like he was an idiot, you know, it was a, right. me and going yeah. into town and 
You know, and yeah. it's like you can you can hear Cookie's soul dying as he's as he. <laughs> well, the comic, you know, mercifully, you know, takes out uh, has has changed Cookie, and now instead of you know an a- an Asian stereotype, they made him a, a a gay Asian stereotype, and he actually says "Hello, Sarah" at one point. No, actually, no, they've taken Cookie completely <laughs> out, and I mention that because Cookie's the one who finds the native. Um, necklace that tips him off that that's probably what happened right happened to the blonde <laughs> you know two plus two is four so of course they um they um they mobilize the crew and and get ready to go on the island to to chase him down and what i like about it is there's a nice shot when uh when they realize she's gone the captain's i'm assuming it's a captain you just see it coming from off the ship he's saying all hands on deck all hands on deck and you see a nice shot of the natives you know speeding off in their in their boat they have a boat with like side runners and you know and it's, it's like just from the, it's from that scene in hawaii 5 at the end you know but i like this it, it sort of takes it doesn't it, like you said it doesn't like visually adapt the movie it sort of takes the idea of it and condenses it a little so you have yeah. these overlapping overlapping actions so and uh Meanwhile, of course, you know, back on back on the island, they uh, they take a very like very conservative. Once again, she is dressed like Gwen Stacy. She's like in a sh- a shirt with pants and a belt, very unthirties like garb. Yeah, it looks seventies. It's very 70s yeah seventies or nineteen sixty eight. Even though yeah. this is set in in during the depression, it's set during that time. So of course, you know, it's the iconic Kong ceremony. Where they they throw open the gates and they have the altar, you know, in to to strap her into, and they carry her up and tie her on to the big loops, and uh, all of a sudden we see a giant hulking shadow fall across her, and then we see her so terrified that she turns into a Carmine Infantino woman, and her mouth pulls back in a grimace. <laughs> And then we see the happiest King Kong in the world <laughs> as he finds his girl. Hi there! Picks her up and starts to head starts to head off with the girl just in time for the, the crew to show up and start taking pot shots at him. And that's Look, a giant monster! Let's piss it off by shooting at it! With our with our with the girl we're trying to save. Fire live <laughs> ammo at them. I like uh, I like the captain pulling a wedge Antilles here. He says, "Look at the size of that monster." <laughs> Would you look at the size of that monster? It's Except cute. it's it's thirty style. So it goes, "Great heavens!" <laughs> I would like this a lot better though if Jack had said, "Cut the chatter, Red Two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, we get King Kong Chapter Three. Now, let's see what is the name of this chapter. It is Beauty is kidnapped by the Beast. So that's a pretty. Uh, Pretty, pretty straight to the yeah, <laughs> So uh, Kong makes off with Anne, wanders into the jungle as uh, the captain and all the men they're they're shooting at. Now I like the guy with the night the Mike Nesmith hat throughout this whole issue here. Yeah, you just the see the back like, of his head. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you ever even see his face. I think well, just... earlier on, like back on page two, there's a Humphrey Bogart like cameo right. on the <laughs> panel of page two. So, you know, it's not inconceivable that Mike Nesmith was, uh, the monkeys were around in 1968, you know. So they, uh, 
they leave some of the guys behind with the gate, you know, so that they can, you know, let the crew guys back in later on. And the rest of them, you know, Jack and the captain, everybody, they set out after Kong to, you know, pursue Kong into the jungle to hopefully get Anne back. And they don't get very far at all before all of a sudden they come across a real live um, Stegosaurus. And this is really, this is one of the, the reasons I really, really, really like this adaptation is we get plenty of Lost World type stuff, you know. With, yes. With dinosaurs and giant creatures, and uh, it, it goes from just one to another as they they wander through the the jungles here with uh, with these prehistoric creatures. So with this particular one, you know, half the crew's shooting at the thing, and then the captain, or actually, I'm sorry, it's a uh, 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 denim rather, has these new gas bombs he wants to try out. So he hurls one, takes out the uh, the Stegosaurus. But again, just like in the movie, this is the part I don't understand is that, you know, they, they've knocked the thing out with the gas bomb, you know, and Denim later on in this will get the idea of kidnapping Kong. I don't understand why they wouldn't want to bring a Stegosaurus back with them. That seems like that would be quite the thing to, to bring back and show off. Hey, look, we found a real live dinosaur. No, instead, they're not content to just knock it out with gas bombs and move along. <laughs> they just have to kill the thing. So there's a great shot of Denim shooting it like point blank right in the brain, which is pretty messed up. I think back in those days, they weren't as environmentally conscious. And it's like, it tried to kill us once, let's kill it. And then it'll never try to kill us again. Right. Well, I mean, you know, they they already, you know, they recognize because, you know, uh, Denim even says it, you know, prehistoric life. So they realize that this thing is, you know... Uh, you know, some sort of remnant from the dinosaur age that's supposedly been extinct millions of years ago. This could be the very last one for all they know. And their only thought is, let's kill it. <laughs> that's pretty messed up. So they, uh, they continue along and uh, they get to a point where uh, there's a river separating them and, and where they need to go to. So they uh, they fashion a raft and set out. And again... This scene is in the movie, but I think it's done uh, brilliantly here. It's uh, it's kind of a cross between a, a, a sea monster, like a sea serpent type of thing. But there's there's a couple of panels where you can kind of see that it has some sort of uh, like flippers or something. So I think this is actually supposed to be a plesiosaur. But it, of course, it attacks them. It upsets their raft, shatters the raft at one point. And uh, knocks the people all about. They lose all of their equipment. They lose their guns. They lose the gas bombs. They lo- lose the film equipment. And a uh, really nice panel of, uh, you know, it's kind of a Jaws-esque scene where there's a guy, you know, trying to make his way to shore like everybody else. And he gets uh, snagged and dragged under by the monster. It's pretty cool. I love the panel of uh, Jack going, he's just looking and going, poor devil. I was like, oh. That. <laughs> Ah, the old snag and drag. <laughs> so now these guys are a mess. They're all wet and soggy, and they don't have any of their, their equipment with them or anything. But then they catch that, up with And that's Kong. the least of their problems. Right. Yeah. Then we get a, a scene that, uh, man, I can only wish that this had been in the movie, where uh, Kong gets attacked by basically a stampede of Triceratops. And this is just, it's awesome. I love this scene. And this is the scene I was talking about before. There's a scene here where uh, 
it shows Kong and he notices the Triceratops charging at him. And somebody, you know, because the, the humans are just shown as little little dark figures off, way off in the distance. And somebody's saying, he's being attacked by those beasts. What are they? And <laughs> Oh, yes, I love this line. And, and Denim's the one that says, Triceratops, one of nature's mistakes. Notice the three horns on their head. And I thought, the hell is that all about? What do you mean by yeah? They're, they, they're of, supposed to have two horns or yeah. one horn, not three. What the what what the hell? Well, the whole thing with one of nature's mistakes. I just didn't understand that at all. What what was he talking about? So I looked that up to see, you know, what that might be a reference to or something like that. And that's actually taken pretty much line per line straight from the original book. And you know, you have to remember when this was written. You know, way back in the '30s and everything. You know the the whole whatever the the science of of dinosaurs is called. I, I'm not sure what, what it's not anthropology, but you know something like that. You know the whole study of dinosaurs was still kind of in its infancy, and we were still learning things about you know the dinosaurs and and their age and stuff like that. And so at that time, the Triceratops was was looked at as some sort of anomaly, I guess in the dinosaur world or something to that effect. It was really, it was kind of interesting the way it was all explained in there. Um, Just, you know, from a, from a simpler time before we really had a a much firmer grasp on, you know, the kind of creatures that, uh, right. You know, that didn't, you know, inhabit the dinosaur age, basically. Like that, which ones were meat eaters and which ones were herbivores. Obviously in King Kong. Right, yeah. According to this, they were all, you know, just thirsty, <laughs> you know, man-eating killers, you know, flesh-eating killers. So, yeah, it, it is a trip. Well, Kong, you know, he takes these guys out pretty handily. He sets Anne down, and then he just picks up giant boulders to throw at the Triceratops. And yes, he does. A couple different panels of, you know, just shows him like bashing their brains in with these giant rocks. It's great. And then he stands and up, beats his chest. He's he's basically. We're we're seeing the origins. Speaking of Al Williamson and Star Wars, we're seeing the origins of a lot of Chewbacca's lines in here. <laughs> There's rawows and gurs and growls. <laughs> we haven't seen any gronks yet, though. No gronks. No. <laughs> I'm hoping we get well, at least one gronk before the end of it. So. <laughs> You know his uh, his battle one. He picks uh, Anne back up, and I love this panel on. Uh, see the pages aren't numbered, but right after he takes out the Triceratops, oh, uh, really mine are numbered. They're up at the okay. top. Oh yeah, there they are. I'm, yep, I'm blind as a bat. It's page twenty five. That last panel. He's picking her up so delicately. It's hilarious. He's holding her in one hand by the waist, and the other hand's like under her feet. And he just looks like he's going, "Come here, sweetheart." He's like, "Well, he's got that look on his face that like ooh." Coochie, coochie, coo, Captain. <laughs> so then he comes to this giant ravine, this giant crevice, and he's large enough that he can just step over it. And I love that panel, by the way, because it looks like he's sporting a fro. That's actually it does. It does. It totally. <laughs> he looks like actually like a black vampire out of a Gene Colan Tomb of Dracula comic. You know what I mean? Right. Like Luke Cage, you know, mixed with Dracula, sort of. 
which is terrible to say, but that's the author's racism coming through, not mine. <laughs> or the you know the artist, whoever he might be. So Kong just steps over this thing, and it's you know it, it's a giant ravine, so it's much too large for the for the men to just you know jump across or walk across. So they have to find a different place to cross, and they find this uh, this fallen tree, this fallen log that spans the chasm. And Jack goes first. He makes it to the other side, and the other guys start across. And then um, this is a, I guess this would be like a protoceratops, right? Yeah, he's only got like. one. One. Well, it looks like he's almost got two other horns but they're flat against the top of his head or something it's right. weird yeah i'm trying to think of what the actual name of that is i think it's a protoceratops it's not quite a it's not a triceratops but it's it's in that same family where it's got like multiple horns and stuff but anyway another dinosaur comes up behind them so you know they really they scoot that much faster to get all their asses across so basically they're all on the log jack's made it all the way across and all the men are crossing the log. They got the dinosaur on the other side, you know, so they can't go backwards. And this is a scene that's actually missing in the movie. Mm-hmm. My understanding why, is... Why they won't go backwards, yeah. Right, and why they don't just go backwards when Kong shows up, which he does in this. He shows up. Jack, you know, very quickly grabs a vine, all Tarzan style, and he shimmies down into a hole on the cliff face, cliff face and he hides... All the men are trapped on the log. They can't go backwards because they got this dinosaur behind them where they came from. Ahead of them is Kong, and Kong's all pissed off. So these poor guys are trapped on this log. And Kong you know, is all enraged and everything. So he just scoops up the log. And in this, he doesn't do like he does in the uh, 33 and 76 version where he just rocks the log back and forth to, to shake the men off of it. In this, he picks it up like he's going to use it like a club to get the di- you know the dinosaur on the other side or something. Well, this log is a lot thinner. It's a lot thinner yeah. than in the movie, which was a big old giant tree. This is this one looks like it's it'd be a lot scarier to cross because it looks like it might break. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially that first panel on page twenty-eight. There, it's it's real thin at that one point. The where one the, where the one where is it King Kong or is it Anne that's going R? <laughs> I can't tell which one. It could be either it's one. Talk of them. like a pirate, Dave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Kong scoops up the log. Can I read the dialogue on that? Oh, that go ahead. Panel? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Protoceratops says R. <laughs> First guy closest to Protoceratops says Yay. Second guy says Help. Help! And then either King or Anne says, "Hey." <laughs> the guy, the guy in the middle, right there, though, you got to do it like like the king from Kings and Balloons, where he goes, "Help! Help! <laughs> Help!" <laughs> I, I like the panels underneath it too, where Kong grabs the log, and the guy goes, "The monster has hold of the log, man, man." The other guy goes, "He's going to." And then <laughs> that's exactly what you'd say while you're on the log. <laughs> say, I've noticed something. That monster has a hold of this log. <laughs> Wise guy. <laughs> Kong picks up the log. You've got guys falling all over the place to their death. And one guy's going, Rah! the other guy's going, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So that's what they do in the movie too. Now I don't remember in the movie Denim just he survives, but he just runs off, right? He he's like just, got he's out the of tunnel, there, right? Yeah. yeah. In this one, he actually descended the cliff face on the other side to like a little outcropping, and uh, I like this because Jack. It's much more dynamic in this when Kong reaches down the side of the cliff to try to get Jack. Jack actually fights him off. He like he shows him like stabbing Kong in the in the hand with his knife and stuff. That happens in the cool. movie too. He ja- he just kind of jabs him in the in the finger though, doesn't he? Like pricks his finger, right? Yeah, yeah. And this one, and this one, he's actually cursing him while he does it. Right. You beast! You devil! <laughs> How does this feel? I mean, he's really, he's, in, in this, it looks like he's really taking a swipe at him. He's like jabbing him right in the thumb, mm. whereas in the movie, it's more like, like he, you know, it's almost like a, like a diabetes prick on Kong's finger type of thing, you know? <laughs> you little diabetes prick. <laughs> so, I'll feed you to the dinosaurs, see? <laughs> so he fights off Kong and then calls across to Denim, and uh, Denim climbs back up on his side, runs off to go... I guess he's going to go try to get more men, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't really say where he's going. He just he just runs away, basically. Dinosaurs are hungry. We need more men. <laughs> so Jack climbs back up on his side, which is on the Kong side, just in time to see a Tyrannosaurus Rex show up to fight Kong. And this is actually a really dynamic fight in this. Kong is a little too chimpanzee-like in this part, I think. Well, especially the the scene where it's probably just a, the fight in action, but it looks like Kong's doing the chimpanzee jump on the right. T-Rex's <laughs> chest. The T-Rex is down on the ground, and he's like... And, you know, you see the wave lines around his arms and stuff. <laughs> it's a great fight, though. The, the huh? uh, dinosaur actually uh, knocks Kong off a cliff at one point, which is really cool. And come on, tell me that that the last panel there on page thirty one with Anne going no no no, come on that is Gwen Stacy dude look at that totally it looks like Peter Parker should show up to save her in that part. So the 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 T Rex actually knocks Kong off a cliff, and you think you know it looks like she thinks that's the end of Kong, and then the T Rex comes after her. A great panel of her like putting her hand up to try to ward off this T-Rex that's totally noticed her. He's headed to the tree to just snatch her right out of it. Kong climbs back up the side of the cliff and... Uh, <laughs> May ex- I? Oh, go, go ahead, absolutely. T-Rex says, Gee! Giggy! <laughs> and then Kong says, Graw! Graw! <laughs> it's getting closer to Gronk all the time. Yeah. I love that panel where he actually bodily picks up the entire T-Rex and smashes him to the ground. That's pretty cool. And then he's oh, riding I have him. had enough of you. <laughs> he's riding him like, like get along, little cowboy. Yeah, that's like sort of like a grape ape moment in this one. <laughs> picks him up by the leg and smashes his head against a tree. That's excellent. I think the jaw-breaking kill was still probably too gross for the comic book. 
<laughs> Look at the second panel on page thirty-three. He's going. Kong's got him by the by the muzzle. He's going. I got your nose. That totally <laughs> looks like World Wrestling Federation right there. <laughs> yeah, got your nose. Yeah, <laughs> or it's like the T Rex was just about to sneeze, and Kong was like, "Gotcha." <laughs> so Kong uh, breaks its neck, thumps his chest, and. Uh, Goes and again, very delicately scoops Anne back up and, and makes off. And uh, Jack's still pursuing him. And we end chapter three with uh, Denim approaching the uh, the guys that are gu- guarding the open gateway. And he's just saying, "Help! Help! Help! Help!" <laughs> <laughs> and they're going, "Hey, it's Denim. Where are the others?" That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> and now we go to chapter four rescue from the monster's lair oh i wonder what happens in this chapter okay so now now we got now it's just now we back we're back to it's just driscoll chasing after kong and he sees kong's heading back to his lair which is the skull of skull island and um so he decides probably the best idea is just to sort of follow behind and not raise a ruckus this time. So uh, Kong is is passing like it's it's either a, a pond or a stream or a body of water, but uh, this time he is attacked by a giant anaconda ser- serpent snake creature, which in a scene very much more like the Kong seventy six. Yes. Ends up in a big wrestling match with a with a much less rubber snake since it's a comic, which he ends up just sort of putting in a sleeper hold, and then <laughs> and then chucking back in the like. But that looks like a really like a dead snake getting tossed in the lake. Yeah. And then he brings he brings Anne up to up to his 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 perch and lets out a mighty bellow, <laughs> which unfortunately is not accompanied by a word balloon. So uh, Driscoll. Oh, that's our Gronk moment right there. Yeah, I know. We maybe I'll Photoshop a Gronk into there. <laughs> and then so Driscoll's made his way to the top, and he's he's found Anne, a uh, uh, a much calmer Anne who doesn't scream her ass off at everything that happens. <laughs> a much more collected Anne, a much more centered Anne, and uh, and uh, at, at this at, at this moment in time. A uh, pterodactyl decides that, that that this time it's time to lunch on Kong, making you know basically about what like three minutes in between when anything attacks you on Skull Island. <laughs> so Kong gets busy uh, um, killing the pterodactyl, which is funny because uh, they have a panel you know where Kong's defense against the winged saurian before it can reach its prey, and then there's a sort of side note apostrophe that says pterodactyl on the side of the page and i wonder if that's something they added later when a pterodactyl maybe got its name maybe they didn't have that name in in 33 so or whenever they originally did this comic so of course while while kong is busy you know uh battling the pterodactyl jack's like we got to get out of here you know this is our chance so they it turns out they have a much less (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Much less of a fall, so you don't get the whole sequence of Kong trying to pull him up on the vine or anything like that. They just jump into a pool, 
Yeah, we also Just don't a, get her boobs coming out of her shirt in this version either, unfortunately. No, we don't, but we actually get a cool scene that where they jump in the water and a big hairy hand chases them for a little while. And the reason they're able to escape is they sort of like go underwater and, you know, into a little cavern, fall down a waterfall and, and get away. And then actually that's the end of chapter four. What a short chapter, but... True to the name of the chapter, they do <laughs> escape from Kong's clutches. She is rescued, so that chapter name is a spoiler. This, uh, starting into chapter 5, this was one of the moments that uh, it, it, I considered a great diversion from from both movies, and a moment that really, you know, more than any other thing in, in this part of the story, the, the Skull Island part, this creeped me out more than anything else that we got. More than like the the T Rex almost eating Anne and the giant serpent and and everything else. This creeped me out. The scene where she and Jack are literally floating on their backs down this river and just letting the current carry them along back to the village. That just creeps me out because they're on their backs in this body of water that has already proven itself to be infested with shit that wants to eat you, you know? And it's like, yeah, but, you know, the thing about Skull Island is where are you going to go? That's, there's nowhere you're going to go that's safe anyway. Right. But right. I don't know. If I, got, if I was going to do it, I'd rather, I'd rather fight something by land where you can see and run rather than just sort of float on a river and hope something doesn't come up underneath you exactly yes that's that's it it's that old fear of not knowing what's underneath you in the water that just oh my god i'm telling you i'm sitting here and my palms are sweating just thinking about it. <laughs> it just creeps me out so kong's pissed man he's walking through the jungle he's knocking trees over and throwing shit out of the way he's like where'd my girl go and he's trying to find her and they uh they make their way all the way back to the village and jack sees the wall Picks her up. She can't walk anymore because you know she's still. This is the era of the of the cream puff, you know, damsel in distress. Great panel on uh, on page forty two. That first panel takes up uh, more than half the page. Just really nicely illustrated shot yes. of uh, Jack having picked up Anne and he's carrying her as they head to the uh, to the open gate and they're kind of you know come on come on and. Uh, they just get inside the gate and they're just starting to close the door when one of the natives up on the watchtower kind of reminds me of the guy that uh, that watches the the Millennium Falcon it's land Star, in Star, Star Trek Wars. Star Wars yes. yeah he's going Kong 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 and so they're <laughs> like oh shit let's close the gate so they're just starting to get the the gate closed and all of a sudden this giant ape hand comes reaching through it says crash. <laughs> And Kong is pissed, man. He's squeezing natives in one hand. I like how he's got he like two natives through. sticking out of his fingers, the cracks between his <laughs> fingers. <laughs> I like the the bottom half of that page. It, again, it's all it's a little more than half the page. This giant, giant picture of everybody doing the classic "Oh shit, run away, run and for Kong, your life." Kong again. He's he's he's. Inches away from saying Gronk, he's saying growl as he smashes the gate down, collapses the gate, and Kong goes totally apeshit, man. He's smashing villages. He's stepping on people. He's tearing the place up. And uh, everybody else has the sense to just, you know, beat feet. They're headed back to the beach. And Denim, man, he's, he's still after his... Uh, 
You know, he doesn't really talk so much about the movie in this, but I guess his motivation is still his movie, and uh, he remembers the bombs. So he gets bombs. I guess they had some spares left at the camp or something. I don't know. They don't really explain where they came from. But he's got bombs. He starts chucking bombs at Kong and running back. So they run all the way back to the beach, basically, and that's where they make their stand, and they uh, they chuck bombs until they get enough of the gas to actually overpower the beast and uh kong collapses into the he actually collapses kind of into the water on the beach this is a nice yeah. effect as he splashes in i love and, the sh- uh, i love the shot it's very weird different art it almost reminds me of like will elder on the bottom of page 47 of him where he's going oh 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 it looks very Mad Magazine, but it's really it cool. Yeah. His face is lit from the front, and it's just really cool. It's it's nice. I like this a lot. And uh, he collapses on the beach, and that's... Uh... Actually, this is the moment, really. I, I guess he was just... I guess Denim in this was just really using the, the gas bombs as a last resort to try to fend off Kong. But once Kong is actually knocked out... That's when Denim seems to seize on the idea of, hey, you know what? People pay money to see this. Let's take him, you know, let's take him with us. After saying about one of the dumbest things a human being can say, <laughs> he won't fight now. We've taught him something man can teach any animal. That's fear. That'll hold him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll hold him. Maybe you should <laughs> work on some iron and steel, too. That that might help with the fear also. <laughs> All right, so now we're Chapter 6, The Eighth Wonder, on Broadway. <laughs> so we open up with a big, another one of those, like, three-quarter shots of uh, of Broadway, of Times Square. And, and uh, it, like in the movie, it's a beautiful shot of Tom, Times Square. It's opening night. They get the big, you know, King Kong, The Eighth Wonder, and lights. And... Um, you know, Jack and Ann are all dressed up and uh, getting ready for the, the, the big thing. They're in the hotel room with, um, what's his name, Denim, and and getting ready for the show. And She's got a look on her face like somebody just farted or something, though. Yeah, especially on page 50. She it, Her head's a little awkward there, yeah, too. So, you know, the, the bellboy comes and he's like, Denim, shut up. You got your presses waiting for you. And Denim <laughs> goes out and struts for the press. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Driscoll, Driscoll, the, the press starts talking to Driscoll, but he's humble. He's like, ah, I didn't do anything. It was all, it was all him. And they, and they sort of have a little humble off for the press, you know, over, oh, no, it wasn't me that got Kong. No, it was you. No, it was all you. You know, and, and then, um, Jack on the top of page 51 looks like, um, Happy Hogan from Iron Man right there, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> And of course, every reporter's got like a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and the press hat and everything. But that's when he sells the whole Beauty and the Beast, you know, gives the press the Beauty and the Beast story. So, um, you know, so they, they, they unveil Kong in his cage. And in, in this time, he's got, in, unlike the movie, he's in a cage and also chained. And, uh, you know, the, the crowd reacts appropriately with, what a beast! Great heavens. <laughs> look and, at the look on Kong's face in the bottom of 52. He's like, 
<laughs> Are you talking about me? But I like it because that sort of plays a little. And well, in the foreground, you've you've got um, Driscoll and Anne. You know, Driscoll's feeling up Anne's hand, and they're giving <laughs> each other goo goo eyes. And Kong's just like Kong's not having it at all. Reggie. And uh, of course, in the classic, you can't. You know, in the classic setting, the classic trope of no flash photography. The press comes <laughs> right. out, and starts. Starts starts snapping away, which drives, of course, King Kong apeshit or bananas or apeshit bananas, same thing. And of course, there's... this scene would be awesome if it had the banana splits music in it. Crush everything. It's. <laughs> and of course this this audience is is you know they talk about the dumbing down of America and how we're how people were so smarter in the past so see even me I'm me dumb too see, <laughs> people are so much smarter in the past no this this whole audience is full of like master of the obvious morons <laughs> king kong is breaking free and going wild and we've got one person saying he's breaking free and then another person saying, the beast is going wild. <laughs> now, me, time spent saying the beast is going wild would be time better spent running the fuck away from the beast going wild. And then later on in the safety of my own home going, and then the beast went wild. But every one of these assholes would have my footprint on their back. I guarantee it because I'd have been beaten feet and getting the hell out of there. <laughs> Well, well, on the next page, okay, Kong's in his cage. The cage is, like, tipping over. Every single bar is just about bent and destroyed. All his chains are broken. He's on the way out. There's, there's a guy standing there going, I thought you said nothing could break those chains. <laughs> Let's take that up at, you know, in court during the lawsuit, you know. <laughs> Instead of right now, it's just, I want my money back. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, there's a guy who says, he's escaping. Run, run. These guys are brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. But there, there's another. I, I love that page because it's just two frames. The top frame is is Kong still in the cage, but the cage coming apart. And then the next frame, he's out and he's grabbing for people. Yep, I love it. And he's pissed. So of course, um, you know, um, um, Driscoll's like, "Come on, we'll get, we'll go to my hotel across the room. You'll be safe there." And King Kong just comes right out through the backstage door. And when I say out through the backstage door, it's sort of like more out through the wall around the backstage door. Now, have you ever seen that classic 70s, at least I think it's 70s, that model kit of Superman smashing through the the brick wall? Doesn't that look just like that, except it's It's, Kong? except, Except it's Kong. And then... Um, of course we, you know, they're, they're, they're in the, they're in the hotel room and, and I don't know what she's, she's saying, don't let him touch me, Jack, which is sounding like <laughs> maybe something inappropriate happened back on Skull Island that she's not telling us about. <laughs> she's and pregnant then, with Kong's child. Yes. And then a very, um, oh, what were, what were the, what was the lead military gorilla in, um, Planet of the Apes? Oh, uh, General uh, or- Orko or, or something Orko like that. Orko or whatever. 
There's a very general Orko looking Kong face in their <laughs> hotel room at that point. And and of course, once again, instead of running, he starts questioning it's Kong. But how? And Anne, of course, reacts with the classic no no. And then we get the first real like sort of like Anne screaming as as Kong's hand reaches in. And uh Denim tries, I guess, to fight him off, but it's unclear how, what he's doing. But Kong just sort of like brushes him away, and grabs Anne, and starts heading up. <laughs> or moving on up. <laughs> End of chapter six. Oh, I'm not touching that one. Okay, so chapter seven. Oh shit! <laughs> the final. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> chapter seven. He does is, look a lot like George Jefferson. Oh, but... don't 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 even go there. So, no, he is, doesn't. He looks just like Wheezy. <laughs> is Kong's last stand, and uh, again with the uh, with ha- over half the page being taken up by the first panel. This is awesome. It says, uh, "Fear grips the people of New York as the word spreads that mighty Kong is loose in the city." The beast Although it looks seen... like Bigfoot's climbing the Empire. It does, but it, I love that perspective shot. That's it's well, it looks really, like Bigfoot really nice. from that that famous like uh, <laughs> movie that they shot of you know the Bigfoot strolling through the yep. the woods. The Zapruder film or whatever the hell. The Zapruder film, yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great, though. You got the again. We got Captain Obvious here going. Look, he's climbing the Empire State Building. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, actually, sir, it's more of a shimmy. He's more shimmying up it. <laughs> so, I love, uh, apparently, uh, oh, that's right. He wasn't, I was going to say, apparently, uh, what's his name? Denim didn't pay attention, but he wasn't, I, I guess he wasn't in the hotel room, but uh, Driscoll comes walking out. He says, Driscoll, where's Anne? And, uh, and Driscoll says, Kong's got her, Denim. And, uh, this is a great, the third panel on, uh, the last panel on page 57 is a great panel because somebody, again, being very obvious, says, he's reached the top. But it's it's a great perspective shot. It almost looks like Kong is, like, hastily grabbing the observation deck because it looks like he's about to slip or something. It's it's really, yeah. you know, because he's climbing with, you know, the disadvantage of, of one having, hand. yeah, with one hand, you know, he's got the girl in the other hand. So it does, it, it gives the impression by that picture that he's almost slipping, like he's almost losing his grip. But he finally does make it to the top and he's thumping his chest and everything. It's great. And, uh, you know, of course they get the idea of, you know, what can we do? Well, let's, you know, let's sick the airplanes on him. So they call the army. And I love the shot where uh, it says minutes later and they're at the airfield and the pilots are all rushing to their planes. The guy goes, we're going to shoot what? <laughs> the guy says, King Kong, some giant gorilla. Some giant gorilla. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, a giant gorilla. I thought you said a giant girl. Okay. <laughs> so they, uh, again, with the perspective shots being really nice, where uh, you know, it shows them approaching the Empire State Building, you can see a teeny tiny cute little King Kong on top of the building. Aww. And uh, they zoom in. And uh, there's quite a few of the planes in this, because I, I forget how many there are in the movie, but I think there's only, what, like three or four planes, right? Yeah. This one here is like a whole squadron of them, and they come in and zip it all around Kong. I like the, the shots of him. You know, he, he sets uh, a very ugly-looking 
Anne in this one panel here on page 59. She's hideous looking. She just she's drawn really strangely in that one shot. Her face is all like, <laughs> well, then, come on, man. <laughs> she does. It's been a long, it's been a long day. Well, it's been a long day. Aunt Aunt Darrow. But uh, I like the the shot. At least she's got some cleavage working by this. Yeah, this time. is true. And Kong's reaching for the plane, trying to grab hold of the planes and everything. Flip the page. Page sixty is great. Uh, again, you know, more than half the page taken up with just this really nice perspective shot of all these planes uh, dive bombing and shooting at Kong. And he's looking all helpless in that panel, but then the very next panel, he manages to, to snag one of the planes, and the pilot's going, My wings! He's crumpled them like tissue paper! And yes, that's, that's like, great last words to have. <laughs> I hope those are my last words. <laughs> I want those on my tombstone. <laughs> I like the the shot. It actually shows the pilot burning up, which is pretty, uh, you know, that's about the most uh, brutal thing we've gotten in this. Because you're right. You know, I hadn't really noticed that until you pointed it out. This is much, much tamer than the 33 movie. I mean, the 33 movie, for its age, really has some brutal stuff in it with people getting chewed up and stuck on. and Yeah. Like I said, in, in a lot of these stories, when you have something that take, takes place like in the jungle or something, it's a lot, like in this one, the only, the, the only really like dying that takes place is in the jungle. Right. You know, once you get to New York, there's people dying. You see this guy die, but he's not stomping civilians like he is in the movie. Right. If he is, he's doing it off panel. And, right. Well, he but, never you know. pulled that woman out of the window either, because that's nope. one of the more brutal parts of, of the 33 movie is where he pulls a woman out of the window of that skyscraper, looks at her, realizes it's not Anne, and he just tosses her. Just, just chucks her over her yeah. shoulder, yeah. Yeah, she's like, well, I don't need that one. And, yeah, she yeah. plunges to her death. It's it's pretty brutal. Do not want so uh, Denim and uh, Driscoll make their way uh, up the elevator as far as they can get. They get up to the observation deck, and then I really like this shot of uh, of Driscoll. Man, he's he's man he's of action. Yeah. yeah, he actually climbs on the outside of the Empire State Building, right up at the top. Climbs from the observation deck up on top of the dome, and is reaching for Anne. And uh, this is great. This would actually look really nice. In uh, I, I'm trying to remember if they do this in the 2005 movie or not, but she actually kind of like slides, tumbles off the thing and almost takes both of them right off the building. That's sort of what happens here too, yeah. No, and that's what I'm saying. Does, does oh, that happen okay. in the 2005? I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm, I, I, I haven't seen it since 2005, so yeah, I'm, me I'm, I haven't rewatched it yet for Kong Month. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because uh, – you know, I I enjoyed it. I'll, I'll definitely have some th- some things to cover with that, some things to say about it. But I can't remember how they come down off the dome at the end of that one. But in this is is really dynamic because it looks like she slides, and when she catches him, you know, he's hanging on by one hand at that point. It almost looks like she takes both of them right off the, you know, threatens to take them both right off the roof. It's pretty cool. But they do. They make it down safely down to the observation deck. So now it's Kong all by himself and. Uh, He's outnumbered, and it's just you know at this point it's all it's all over. But the crying where they just they keep coming in, they keep taking pot shots at him to where finally he just uh, he's got no more strength. He's just riddled with bullets, and uh, he takes the big topple. And really, 
Honestly, I think this is my only real serious nitpick or criticism with this entire book. I really love this. You know, I, I really enjoy this adaptation. But much like the 33 movie itself, the actual topple, it's pretty disappointing because it it just it looks like a baby chimp <laughs> bouncing down the stairs. Well, they they draw the like bounce. It's like follow the bouncing ball sort right, of picture, yeah. you know. Everything it's, else on this page is... I mean, even the Empire State Building and, and the buildings behind it, it's a great perspective shot. All the other panels are great. Everything looks really nice, except the actual figure of Tumbling Kong just... It looks silly to me. It, it does. Yes. It's like a little baby monkey falling off of a you know of a tree branch or you know something like that. But everything else looks really dynamic. And, of course, you know, Kong hits the street, and uh, poor Kong's dead, and... Driscoll comes running up, and a police officer says, "The planes did it. They killed Kong." And uh, he delivers that, you know, Driscoll, uh, not Driscoll, uh, Denim delivers the famous line, "You know, it was beauty. Be- beauty killed the beast." And uh, and that's it. And then the inside back cover, we get a lot of. Um, it's like a collage of images from uh, through a montage. Uh, montage, I say, yeah, montage of images from. Uh, from through the entire book, you know, Kong fighting the Triceratops and beating his chest. and Except down in the right-hand great. corner where Jack Kirby drew a face of, of like, Sue Storm or something in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where is that in the issue? I don't know. It doesn't look like anything else in, in here. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I like the last sentence of this. Only one thing can tame him. Hit the strange attraction he feels for a beautiful girl. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I didn't know that attraction was so strange. I guess it is with a gorilla. With a gorilla. Gorilla my dreams. Now, Scott, I think you've forgotten what you were supposed to do in this show. Uh-oh. What was that? In every show that we record till the end of Kong Month. What was that? Wasn't there a certain naysayer whose name you were supposed to mention at some oh, point in every yes, show? yes, yes, yes. There was a Kong hater that needed to be addressed. Now, given, I'll give him this. He had a good reason for not liking King Kong. I, or at least an acceptable reason to me. For, to me, In a sort of like, okay, that's his opinion. stuff. But I could see, what I, I mean, I totally agreed with what he said about it, except... I still like it. <laughs> but so you you had right. posted up um in the Two True Freaks um podcast group on Facebook which uh is still open you guys can join all you got to do is just uh just ask to be a member of the group we'd be more than happy to add you. Now you had done a beautiful beautiful job on a uh, a really nice image for the first episode of uh, King Kong Month. It just says, June is King Kong Month, and you had all these great images of uh, of many different Kongs from many different eras. I, I really thought this was great. Well, that's all the Kongs we're covering this month. And you posted there. up with the with the image, and then it just says, Coming in June, the Mighty Kong. And I, you know, I'm looking at this right after it had been posted, Really geeking out. I'm so excited about Kong Month, especially especially both this comic that we're covering right now and then next episode when we cover the uh, 76 Kong. I'm really excited for I, that. I really think each episode is I, – I, I, not to this, – this might sound like a cheesy thing that I say, but I think each episode is going to get better because it's going to feed upon the last one. Right, and right. Com- and all the comparing – and by the time we get to the Peter Jackson one – we're going to be able to like 
put all the Kongs together and compare them and contrast them. And, and I've been, I've been doing a lot of thinking about the monkeys this month. So I've got (laughs) a lot to say. Well, then the very first comment, as, as I'm looking at this image that you posted, I'm so excited about it. I'm really hyped up for King Kong Month because we have actually, I think we did a great job of we've been planning this for a long time and we kept it totally under our hats. We never said a thing about it, which, you know, that's hard to do, especially for us. With us, yeah, especially. So the very first post was, sorry, guys, I'm going to skip that one. I hate King Kong. And I'm like, (laughs) seriously, dude, very first post. And that was from Mark J. Kamphausen, who's probably not listening, but maybe he is just to hear his name. Because I I later on in this went on to say that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to throw out shout outs for you just in in the hopes that, you know, you're you're vain like me and you you can't resist. If you know somebody's talking about you, you just have to listen to hear what shit they're talking. Hopefully his ears will start burning the minute we post this podcast (laughs) up. But he did. Now, do you want to read this other part? This is what he posted about why. Because you say that you thought that this was a legitimate reason. I don't I don't don't have it. I don't have it here. Yeah, I don't I don't. Here it is. This is what he had to say. I I read it. You know, I understood what he was coming from, but uh, I don't know if I'm buying this. I'm going to read him in a really stupid voice, too. <laughs> although I don't th- although I'm just saying this is not a stupid um, point. It's a very good point, and I don't think that he's stupid. But I'm going to read it in a stupid voice <laughs> so somebody can say, dude, they were talking about you and reading all your posts in a stupid voice and stuff and in the hopes that somebody will tell him that, like, I was mocking him and that he'll have to listen to hear, you know, I got to hear what that goddamn Honeywell said about me. Why I'm not a King Kong fan, <laughs> in a nutshell. When I watch a series like Star Trek, it's a celebration of the triumph of the human spirit, the ability of society to put aside its petty differences, put an end to war, overcome poverty, die. <laughs> And marshaled their passion and intelligence to push it into the larger universe. A more exciting adventure. A movie like King Kong, on the other hand, wallows in humanity's shortfalls. Shortfalls such as arrogance, <laughs> indifference, and militarism. My feeling is why I would watch this movie when I can see this side of humanity every night on evening news. Yeah, yes, the movie was groundbreaking and the special effects were ahead of the time. But that's not enough for me. I like movies that are uplifting, reaffirming, and exciting. That's why I like movies like Star Trek, Star Wars, Superman, Spider-Man, and the Avengers. To me, they represent everything King Kong is not. (laughs) How was that? That was excellent. That should piss me off. No disrespect, Mark. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Although that's a very good point. I agree with it 100%. I I do accept. Now, granted, I do not watch much of the evening news, but I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a giant goddamn monkey on it. (laughs) I can see people shooting monkeys on the news every day. (laughs) I know what he's saying. It is a a meditation on human shortfalls and, and, and shortcomings and... It's a pretty, especially the original 33 one is a pretty cynical movie. But here's where 
I'm different than him. I like seeing big monkeys. I like seeing monkeys destroy things. So it's that's it. Game over. You know, for me. You know, I'm I I love seeing I love seeing animals gone amok or you know or sm- I love the smashy smashy. So King Kong is just and it's gone wild. I like the uplifting stuff. The TV. But I like the soul crushing stuff too. You know, I like a little bit of soul crushing every now and then. I just don't want the soul crushing all the time. That's why. Here's my advice to Mark: Don't watch the news. What are you doing watching the news when you could be watching like King Kong, Star King Kong, or Star Wars, Star Trek, Superman, Spider Man, and the Avengers? <laughs> Wasted all your time on that stupid news. No wonder you're depressed. No wonder you have to write angry letters into two true freaks. <laughs> Dude, why don't you just take your TV and just chuck it out the window? That's what I would do. That would be my advice. But anyway, we should hold back because we got two more episodes to... Mock? Yeah, to, to, to talk about him. <laughs> and and maybe next time we'll talk about him a little earlier on in the podcast so he doesn't have to listen to the whole thing, or maybe not. But we will. We will. We'll sneak it in there, absolutely. I'm oh, glad yeah. you remembered that. I, I would have felt like a dumbass if I'd have forgot to do No, I didn't that. forget it because I was like, Oh, that's a per- that's perfect, man. That's that's like that was that was that was kinda cruel. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that that sounds like that's got doing something I would do. <laughs> you know, I, I, I tried to I tried to be uh, pithy about it because my response, my initial response was uh, here, here's what I wrote I work and I slave and the first post is sorry not going to listen to that gotta love it but honestly and I'm not I'm not exaggerating that, that post really brought me down I'm like god damn it you know it's like you know I, again like I said you know on one of our latest recordings you know I don't do this shit for my health I mean now granted there is a very healthy amount of, you know, I, I I like the sound of my voice. And I do, we do the shows to amuse ourselves. If other people like, you know, like to listen to them and enjoy them, that's, yeah. an, that's an added bonus. But ultimately, we do it to amuse ourselves. However, yes. when somebody just blatantly comes right out and says, I don't got to listen to that shit, it's like, Dude, come on, you know, I mean, that's, oh. that's harsh. You know, that'd be Should- like, you know, one of your kids has is, is got a recital at school or something. You're, you're just like... I don't. I don't need to sit through that bullshit. You know, it's like, wow. You know, that's not very encouraging. You know. <laughs> well, I look at it this way. Yeah, it, it was a little harsh, but at the same time, I'd rather have someone weigh in than not weigh in at all. You know what I mean? I'd rather. I'd rather. I'd rather know that somebody's. You know, when when someone posted up there, I know that somebody read the post and reacted to it. So I'd rather have that. I'd rather have somebody go, "Oh, King Kong, that sucks," but. At least I know that there's a warm body there that's probably going to listen to other Two True Freaks podcasts in the future. I don't know why he had to tell us that he wasn't going to listen to that one, because that just that just makes us like a dog with a bone where we have to try to force him to <laughs> listen to it. What we'll oh, have to do is when we don't go- want li- to listen to our podcast, see? Well, we'll what we need to that. do is next month when we go back on format... Then we'll have to sneak it in somewhere in one of those episodes. Maybe we'll do it like Comics Monthly Monday. We'll have we'll have the episode start with Mike go, saying something like, "Dudes, that shit you talked about, Mark Camphausen, man, that was just that was that was a little too much type of thing." And then <laughs> maybe that'll entice him to go back and listen to Kong Month to see what shit we talked about. 
That's true. We might have to put it in all the monthly Mondays to sort of suss out which ones he listens to and which ones he doesn't. There you go. Maybe get like Luke to mention him in Earth Destructive uh, Destruction Directive too to to (laughs) he's listening to that. We could. We we we, what 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 was I I can't I'm sorry I don't have his name in front of it. What was it? Klemphauser. Camp Camphausen. Camphausen. At least I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. Maybe we can have, we'll call it the Camphausen test, and we'll give it to all our different podcasts to see which ones he's listening to. This is both a long way to go for a gag and a long way to go for just one listener, but he got that's, under my skin, what can I say? That's two true freaks, so, you know, we'll, we'll deal with you on an individual basis if we feel we have to. We'll even <laughs> correct you if we feel you have, we have to. <laughs> But, you know, they can always get in our good graces by sending us some free shit. <laughs> <laughs> that always works. That does always work. Well, so far. <laughs> wrapping this up, um, I would say, you know, if you ever get a chance, if you ever stumble across this on the cheap or, or you're curious to check it out, you know, you can find it cheap on eBay or whatever, definitely check it out. I think it's a fantastic book. You know what's weird is uh Oh, I think it's it's like one of those ones if you if you have a collection of especially if you have like like the treasury editions and you want to have a c- collection of treasury editions this is like a must have. Yeah. As yeah. far as I'm concerned. It really is. And 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 it's one of those things that I look at this now and I I go, you know, does this mean I've grown as a as a collector and as a as a comics connoisseur type of thing because I used to not be able to stand art like this and storytelling like this i always looked at it as kind of half-assed yeah and i look at it it now and i i think it's it's not so much half-assed as that it's 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 in a minimalistic style but it's really done well i mean the art's fantastic it's just in kind of a minimalist style as you get older you start like appreciating like the page layout whereas as, as a kid reading a comic you're looking at it almost literally right and you're like, that doesn't look like reality, you know? Right. And when stuff, you know, a lot of the stuff, that's, that's why I used to scoff at Kirby as a little kid, because I'd be like, what is this block? Everything's blocky squares, you know? Right. And, uh, and now I look at it and I'm like, this genius, you know? It's just amazing graphic design on top of, you know, storytelling. So, you know, our, yes, we have become more sophisticated, you and I, over the years. <laughs> well, we keep telling ourselves that anyway. Yeah, it's more distinguished. But I, I, I do enjoy this. I mean, now, granted, a lot of it is nostalgia because I have owned this for a hell of a long time. But uh, still, I mean, I, I think nostalgia aside, I think it really holds up. I think it's really a fantastic book and uh, and a, and a nice pseudo adaptation. But again, more of an adaptation of the book than the movie which is is one of the things i really like about well, it. well the thing about king kong is the story it's it's mythological now so yes, it's just yeah. it's the story it's the story of king kong yeah almost almost after the original king kong every you can it's almost like you know having another movie version of snow white and the seven or you yeah. know snow white or something or a Grimm's fairy tale it's funny you say that i was i was thinking the same thing i was actually thinking of uh of the analogy i was going to use was beauty and the beast which is the parallel they they <laughs> draw mm-hmm. with king kong is that well, yeah that's a lot better yeah, yeah that's a you know you look at beauty and the beast and because that's a public domain type of thing every single version of that story and there's been thousands of them 
you know, the beast looks different in every single one of them. Kong's kind of getting to that point where, you know, granted they're all going to look monkey-esque, but each adaptation do, does a slightly different variation. Different on, take on him. Yeah. yeah. And, and that this is definitely a really good example of that is, is the Kong in this is very different from the movie versions of Kong. You know, Anne is very different from Fay Ray and that sort of thing. So I, I like it. I like it a whole lot. I think this is really a, a fantastic book. And I mean, seriously, if it's out there for, for, you know, as cheap as you got it, you know, three or three fifty or whatever. If you man, poke around eBay, you'll find, if you poke around eBay, you'll find it cheap. Eventually it yeah. didn't, it, it really didn't take me long. At first, I was like, oh, these are expensive. But then, like, within a week or two, it was like, oh, okay, there's one. And, and I watched it. And and uh, I think when I say it cost me three fifty two, I think that's what the post... I think it was, like, 99 cents. And then, you know, like... 250 uh, postage. 250 or postage that's or something excellent. like that. It was it was really cheap, you know. that. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's 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 real cheap for a whole lot of whole lot of entertainment because it, it really is a great book, very very nicely drawn. Well, I think that wraps us up for this time. Um, be sure to come back for for what I'm kind of considering. You know, in, in my personal assessment of of Kong Month, the big one to me is the is Kong seventy six. Although I'm really looking forward to uh, to Kong. Uh, 2005 as well just because I, I only ever saw it the one time had very Same strong here. yeah oh, I had very strong opinions on it I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting it and and us having a serious uh, talk I about was it. I was reminded yesterday not by my not reminded like oh that reminds me by somebody who went to see the original Kong in the theater with me how much I enjoyed it in the theater mm-hmm. and how much I was like oh that was a really good movie when we when we left the movie so, I think over the years, my memory of it being overlong has sort of, like, got into my nerd zone of, like, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, I, I'm really looking forward to checking it out again, because I remember it, but I don't remember it in that scene-by-scene scene sort of way. So, I'm really right. looking forward to seeing what I think of this of this three, you know... I remember not be it would being three hours long and not being like oh come on can we get on with it so <laughs> but the big I'm, one for me still is is the seventy six one that we're going to look at next week because not only is that my favorite version of Kong it's it's one of my favorite movies honestly it's a movie I've I've loved since I was a kid so I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, it, it, the way I'm looking at it is kind of offering up a defense because I, I still get the impression that's not a, a very well regarded movie, and and I think it's fantastic. So I, I'm looking forward to being able to, uh, you know, to give my spin on it. So we'll all see. I'm going to say is I'm coming at it from a different angle than Scott. <laughs> okay. <laughs> say. <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O 
T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. What's up, freak? Not that much. I got a gorilla mask today at uh. <laughs> See any comics? Not a one. Not a one. Uh-huh. The closest thing I saw to comics were like Calvin and Hobbes books. Now you you have a copy of this treasury thing that we're doing, right? Yes, I do. Is yours the Whitman? I believe it is. Yes, it is. Cool. And you just bought yours not long ago, right? Yeah, I got it for like three bucks or something yeah, like need, that. We need to talk about that then. I'm trying to find some information on this thing, and I'm really coming up very dry. As as near as I can determine, this is actually a reprint of uh, an old gold key. Here's what I'm finding. I'll, I'll give you the link yes, here. Yes, the, the gold key one goes for a bit more on uh, on eBay for sure. But see, I'm trying I just to figure got out. The, I got the first one I could find that was cheap and that was in decent condition because I don't care, you right, know. Yeah. Although I would have liked to have gotten it in the. I couldn't find the original um, format I saw it in, and you see, you didn't go to the same elementary school that I did at first when where I went to like right. kinder, kindergarten and stuff. I was in West Carthage Elementary, right? And uh, um. They had all these, they were ostensibly supposed to be classics illustrated, but I think they, I think they basically bought the rights to some classic illustrated, to like King Kong and stuff like that, because there was other stuff in there, and, the, and there would be like H.G. Uh, um, Wells, you know, the Mysterious Island and stuff, and right. they sort of took all the word balloons out. And and replace them with like lines and type of what the words were. Right. And it, they were in black and white, and they were a small format, a sort of small, weird 
format. So that's I, I, that's yeah, where I first read it. I think I it. have some of those. They're like, hang on, they're like oversized paperbacks, and they're they're kind of thin. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yes, now this one that you sent me, this is a regular size comic, I believe. It was just a big, it was probably a big 64-page regular comic book. I've got a bunch of those that are like Einstein and Houdini and Dracula and shit, and I'm trying to yeah, what yeah, the yeah, yeah. F- they're called. Pocket Biographies, that was it. Yeah, this isn't quite what you're talking about. I know I have some of these, because... Let me try. I know I have a War of the Worlds one. Is this the one? Yep, War of the Worlds is definitely one. Yeah, here, here, here's a picture right here. Is this? I'm pretty sure this is what you're talking about. Because I really like this. I, I enjoy this book immensely. And I, what I like about it is I, I get a feeling that this is much more faithful to the original Cooper story than the movie actually was. And what's neat is, you know, there's definitely references in here to the movie. You know, there's a couple of scenes that, you know, look like they're pretty much lifted from the movie. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's its own thing. And what's neat is it, it it's it reminds me an awful lot of Williamson's The Empire Strikes Back adaptation. Because every once in a while you get something where you go, oh, okay, that's from the movie. But everything else is its own thing. You know, yes, it, this is that's exactly that's a Nestor Redondo cover. It looks like, um, at least by their faces, it's listed here as. Uh, wait, what are you looking at? Oh, you're looking the at War that the picture. Worlds. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yes, I, I'd like to, I'd like to get those just because just for the sheer. Oh yeah, they're nice. I think that's the only one I have that's actually like that format. But yeah, whenever I see those around on the cheap, I try to scarf them up because they. I, I read all those in like kindergarten and first grade. Those were like I'd go the 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 library there was in the same room as the cafeteria, and I would just sit and eat my lunch and read those comics or Peanuts comics or like BC or whatever you know whatever they had. Broomhilda collections. This um, link that I sent you, I'm trying to figure out if that. See, it says Giant Classic, so I'm wondering is that in the the large format size? And something makes me think that it may not be, but it. Well, the one you sent me was a regular was regular a regular size comic. I see. Believe. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because that, that was those are the ones I originally kept, and I was and I was looking for the giant format one because that's the one I used to have. Is that what you so, got? Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. yeah, that's what I got. And that ended up being like the Whitman. There's a giant size. There's a giant size. What was it? De- did you say Dell? Was it? Or what was it? The Gold Key. Gold, is, gold is Key. There's a giant here. size Gold Key one, too, that I saw well, that, that I remember that, link that was that I expensive, sent, too. Yeah, the link that I sent you then is for the original Gold Key. So I'm wondering if that was in an oversized format, but it doesn't say that. See, it says st- it says color standard comic issue. It's a standard. It's a standard comic. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like regular uh, comic a regular size. comic size. It's probably okay. a, you know it probably is just like you know the the big one doesn't seem so thick, but at regular comic size, it's probably a nice thick. You know, like six, with ads, it's probably like 
a good 64, 84 pages or I'm something. I'm trying to remember what right? the Because this one's 64, yeah. According to this, it really is 19... Here's what I was thinking. I, this is what I was trying to figure out. Everything on the copy I have says 1968, but I didn't really believe it. I kept looking at this going, this seems like it's in really, really good shape if it's really the same age as I am. I just didn't believe it. I thought that this was a much more recent reprint because I'm, I'm thinking, how the hell did I get my hands on this? What, the Whitman one? Yeah. Huh. But, according to... Mine's a 68 in it. Yeah. I mean, do you buy it? With with your copy, do you buy that it's that old? Well, I'll put it this way. I would not put it past Whitman to have put this actual copy out in 76 and been lazy enough right not to just change anything just to reprint it but see according to the the i'm I'm looking at this is an older version but i'm looking at the overstreet guide here and it says king kong no number whitman treasury one dollar 68 pages 1968 same cover as gold key issue and i'm not seeing where it was ever reprinted so a buck would have been pretty expensive, you'd think, in 1968. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that would have been like, outrageous in It would have been like actually, 50 yeah. cents, 75 cents maybe at the most. But, yeah, you know, I I don't buy it because I remember with King Kong and, and the Overstreet and, and the price guides, the problem with it is... If it's if it's if they if Whitman printed it, if there's really no different, if they used the same cardstock, shit. Whit- Whitman could have had crates full of these in their warehouse and just pumped them out in '76. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, that's that's very true. So they could actually be '68, but they could have probably sat in a in a warehouse for you know almost 20 years. Before we got our paws on them, did, were, were you pl- did you want to edit this one? I, I can if you like. I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of thinking I might do this one kind of like a, a back to the bins where it's going to be pretty light, you know, as far as um, bells and whistles, you know. I mean, okay. if, uh, you it sounded to me like you had come up with a with some music for King I Kong got, Month. Yeah, you. I got like a raw. It's like it's like two of them hacked together, but the second you know you could just hack the front end of it off if you want a um, copy of it. Now I can send it to you. Yeah, that'll quick. work. Yeah, because I you know I'll use that since you came up with one, and uh, and I figured we'll just do this back to the bin style. You know, we'll we'll do an off the cuff synopsis read. You know, I think I figure figure what we'll do is we'll just go page per page. You know, and just kind of cover the book. But I don't think we need to go long or crazy. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll do, we'll do, you know, forty-five minutes to an hour, whatever, however much time we think we need on it, just to kind of, like you say, point out the differences. Oh shit! Sorry, yeah. never mind. I'll have to send it to you later. It's an M4A file. Oh okay. I'll have. To yeah, turn that's it fine. To, and then I'll trim it up too, anyway. But yeah, yeah, I did that whole intro with that song that Luke suggested which was fucking perfect it's like a minute and a half long and it starts out with like the jungle drums that works it's just yeah, a- i listened to a little bit of it that you posted up on whatever that was and i, I was digging it because you threw in 
Now, did you throw that stuff into it, or was that already yeah. in the song? Oh, okay. The only thing that was in it was at the beginning of like the drums and the people going, whoa, whoa, and, and then the rest <laughs> of it was just the guitars. And then I added all the speeches and planes and screams. <laughs> you know what? Give me one second. I wonder, does Mike's Amazing World have gold key stuff i don't think it does but let me oh you know what it does have gold key stuff all right give me one second to look this up on mike's amazing world i love this site you ever go to this site never heard of it it's mike's amazing it used to be just mike's amazing world of dc comics and then he expanded it to marvel and now all of a sudden there's all these other ones in there too see this gives it's in there, but it doesn't give any view series gallery. There's only the one issue. See, normally it would give credits instead. There's nothing. So see, according to Comic Book DB, it's, it says unknown writer, but then it lists the penciler as Giovanni Ticci and the inker as Alberto Giolatti. But Mine Giolotti, just says artist Giolotti, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I know. So I'm going to point that out when we get into this, but uh, it's kind of weird. I'm wondering where the hell are they pulling that name is that, Giovanni is that from, Cicci out. Is that from uh, Comic Book Database? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, I mean, that's like a Wikipedia. It's just some other comic book collector, so whether they're right, right or wrong. Yeah, I, that's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there with the caveat that, you know, with all apologies to Comic Book DB, they're not always right. Right. But I would love to know who who wrote this, who did the adaptation, but it's not credited and I can't I can't find any information. But you know, one great thing about our listeners is that, you know, people really step up to to throw stuff out there. I meant to ask you, do you keep up with our Gmail? The two I check freaks? it I check it like every week or two and go in and weed out through all the um what? Russian spam. But I was just curious because I was bored at work last night and um, Paul was asking me on the last Back to the Bins that we did together, are we going to do, are we going to get back to covering email? And he kind of put me on the spot. So I was like, well, you know, if I can weed it out, I'll go in there and look at it. Well, I went in there last night. Dude, there was over a thousand spam in there. Yeah, it's just and ridiculous. I was, yeah, well, it's I mean, I had page nothing, after page after page. I had nothing better to do, so I went in and I weeded it out. You see, I, the thing is, when I go and weed it out, I don't think it weeds it. I, and when you weed it out, I don't think it weeds it out for each other. It right. sees us coming from different IP addresses. So I think, yeah, because I don't weed out a thousand at a time, but I go probably go in there more often than you. Well, one thing I did, I know, it, this was just the back to the bins one that I did. It was just that one, and it had a thousand in there. But I set up filters that'll hopefully start, you know, catching stuff in in the future. But what a <laughs> pain in the ass! And I don't want to have to do that for every one of our different shows because we have several different, you know, Gmail accounts. But I would like to start getting back to covering, you know, the the feedback because I, you know, again, I think we should do that, but. You know, I just don't want it to be a chore, you know, with having to, to pour through, you know, umpteen gazillion, you know, stupid ass spams, you know. But I don't know what my point was on all that other than the, I, I did <laughs> it, you know. It kind of sucks, yeah. did, it sucked. <laughs> but 
All right, well, I'm ready to get into this when you are. Okay. You want me to bring it in? Sure. <clears throat> All right, here we go. All right. At least, at least on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to talking to you about some of my, some of my thoughts on that show, off the air. Because I don't want to spoil them, even though I am the spoiler. All right, we wrapped up. Sounds good to me. All right. What do you mean you're coming at it from a different... What do you mean off the air? I was trying to figure out what you were talking about. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't want to talk about like some any of my oh. ideas for the show because we're going to, you know, I'd rather make them listen to the show. 